this is Jonas. This is Andrew. And we're here to make a confession. We're fans of Shohin. We both coincidentally have been finding ourselves more interested in smaller trees lately. Yeah, and it's been really fun to kind of investigate the the world of small trees. Uh, This is the first year I I, I made a Shohin bench here in the garden, uh, and it feels out of place (laughs) with all of the larger trees that we have uh, floating around. Yeah, we're again coming to you from Andrew's garden, Rocky Bonsai in um, Portland, Oregon. And it is a garden filled with some of the largest bonsai I've seen over here. It's it's really amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I like big, beautiful, deciduous trees. I have a few big conifers too, but a lot of big, beautiful, deciduous trees. And uh, yeah, the shohin look very different here. I mean, I have these huge milled oak boards uh, for my bench tops, and I don't know, the shohin just feel different on them. It's really nice. Just having them on an actual wood surface is really great. And it's also different because you see so many different species in one small space. And I guess that's one of the highlights about having shohin around is that within a single bench, you're usually going to find quite a number of different species. Yeah. So, Jonas, how many shohin do you see floating around here? Well, in general or in the dark? Because I know you've got a table <laughs> full of them out there, but it's getting kind of hard to see past the fire pit right now. Yeah, this is another fireside chat. We have uh, <laughs> a nice fire going, a beautiful evening, and uh, yeah, we're excited to talk about little trees. And so we've been kind of obsessed in figuring out where are the next generation of little trees going to come from. And so we've been brainstorming about where one would start if they were looking to start building a collection of small trees yeah and speaking of building a collection we don't have collections of small trees this is a very germane topic for both of us yeah yeah and uh you know i think i think looking at the needs of the community looking at what people are submitting the shows like the expo looking at what people are uh doing we we just we feel like we have a void to fill and uh how can we get our students to do it if we can't do it ourselves? And I think that's kind of where we're, we're coming from. That's right. Andrew had the awesome opportunity to speak with John Romano recently, which a number of you heard, who has focused his bonsai career on Shohin. And every two years, I get to visit the Cal Shohin Seminar. So there are plenty of great Shohin resources out there, and we know there's great interest. And uh, apparently that's been rubbing off on rubbing off on us lately. Yeah, it, it, ironically, one of my, my starts in bonsai was shohin. A really uh, nice shohin. Yeah, yeah. Um, in St. Louis, I think they were looking for a, a way to diversify and, and do a convention that was different. And they uh, this was what, in 2008, 2010, somewhere around there. They hosted a shohin convention. And uh, that was the first convention I ever went to was wow. the, the Bonsai Society of St. Louis shohin convention. And uh, the very first workshop I've ever done was like the best workshop you could have ever imagined. <laughs> it was a, um, it was an uh, imported Itoigawa juniper, uh, a shohin, grown by uh, Urshibata Sr. and Taiga Urshibata Jr. <laughs> was doing the, the workshop. So I got to work on a tree when I was in high school with, with Taiga that was grown by his dad. Uh, and I still have the tree sitting over there. It, it was like an insane, like an insane workshop. It was, it was awesome. 
Tiger probably wasn't too far out of high school at the time. I know he, <laughs> and but he spoke English and he was really cool. And so it was like, yeah. my first workshop was with this bonsai, you know, young, you know, up and coming artist. Uh, and it was, I don't know, he was just really cool. He, uh, yeah. Tyga has all this, you know, bravado and, and, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, and I ended up with a really good tree, you know, 10 years later. And it's time to work on that tree again and figure out, uh, are we going to make it technically fit into the Shoheen category? I know. Are we going to grow it up? It's been growing for a lot of years now. Yeah, one of the craziest things about your visit has been my revelation about tree sizes. I think we talked in our <laughs> last podcast about how I was shocked about what a, a, a medium tree, a chuhin, really means. And in my garden with very large trees, the things that look like medium trees do not technically classify as, as medium chuhin bonsai. Yeah, the standard conventions where we have 20 centimeters or 8 inches and under is your shohin category. Your medium-sized trees typically max out at about 45 centimeters, which is roughly 18 inches. And then there's that kifu category, which is kind of the lower half of the chuhin or medium size, and that would be 20 to 30 centimeters. Large trees, of course, go on up from there to as big as, I guess, whatever you can fit in the door. Yeah, and so all of my chuhin, or, or what I thought were chuhin, are 24, 25, 26 inches, and uh, that doesn't make the cut. So I, I'm having these these revelations about what how small small trees actually are, and uh, you know the the other thing wh- the reason why that came up was you know we were uh, trying to piece together maybe a shohin submission together, um, possibly for an upcoming show, and. Uh, you know, I have I, I brought out my shohin stands. And I start arranging them, and uh, I realize, wow, these are all, all of my shohin or kifu. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're 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 size larger, and so it's. I don't well, know. The, the other thing I noticed was the smaller thing because, in general, I know the way I was taught about shohin for gosh a decade it must have been was that shohin is all trees smaller than eight inches, and to some degree. That may be true. However, when you go to the top shohin shows in Japan, there are actually many different subcategories. And the way, one way in which they divide up the categories is by the size of the stand used to display the trees. And, you know, if you're using a smaller stand, obviously the trees are going to be a little smaller to fit on it. So as soon as I saw the shohin on Andrew's new shohin bench, I thought, well, these are kind of that max size shohin category, but really these next four trees, are you're not going to show them with those other ones because they're bigger. The visual weight's maybe 50% bigger, so actually you need a smaller box stand for those trees, a bigger one for those. And already Andrew's head was spinning about, I need more trees. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes back to John Romano's point in the uh, the podcast a few few podcasts ago where he said, you know, I asked him, how, how many shohin does it take to make a nice <laughs> box stand display? I think he said 30 or 40 something like that uh and so i'm realizing uh i need to up my game here my shohin bench compared to everything else in the garden is pretty weak and uh, i you know i i really like challenges uh, and i think yeah. shohin gives us an a, a real fun challenging opportunity to 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 get a lot of things and and, and put a lot of moving parts you know together yeah, and for those who don't know what a box stand is, um, one of the more common or conventional ways to display shohin at small tree exhibits in Japan would be, imagine a square with a shelf in the middle of it, and you put two trees at the bottom of on the bottom shelf, you put two trees on that middle shelf, and then one tree up on top. So you can have up to five trees on that one box stand, and then the... Uh, 
primary conventional way to show that would then be to have one tree off to the side of that. So it often takes six trees. And we'll get in maybe some other time to all of the different ways in which you want to arrange those trees. But the very short version is you want diversity of species, sizes, styles, colors, shapes, but all within the same relative visual weight so that some trees don't dwarf the other ones within the display. Yeah, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's it's a lot to think about. And that's why, because there's so many components, that's why they almost need to have so many uh, uh, regulations and, and, and different ca- categories to, to make sense of all of that. It helps make sense of it, and it helps make fair fights. It's, you know, we have an, a heavyweight division, a welterweight, a bantam. We have all yeah. these different categories. That's a, that's a good analogy. I like that. Is it a pugilistic affair, the Shoheen world? I, I, I think of them <laughs> as much nicer than that. But. Yeah. The um, yeah the starting point is really I guess what comes into question with Shohin is often the display we go straight to the display when we think of Shohin bonsai developing Shohin is like developing other trees with apart from the technical considerations we do things differently at smaller scale but we immediately go to what are we going to display this with how are we going to do it what time of year is it going to be what containers do we need? It's just, it's like take your normal bonsai considerations and add this addic- additional level of um, the game that we put on top of it to uh, orchestrate the coordination of it all. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to to upping our game, and it, it's going to be fun to do this together. Uh, so, h- how do we do this? I mean, we're we, we we talked about that we want to do this a lot, but I'm not sure we actually pieced together too much how, how to do it. Um, we we we've been shopping recently for some shohin and and what are, I don't know. Let's 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 tell people what we're looking for. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny. Just an hour ago, I'm here visiting with Andrew, and we started out making some trades. I've been growing shohin pines for many years, and I have many of them but Andrew is low on the number of showing pines he has so we're thinking okay well if I it was like trading baseball cards well if I give you one of those maybe you give me two of those but no I don't want that one so maybe how about one of these and three of those and it was the funniest low-key horse trading that I've been a part of in a long time it was kind of hilarious (laughs) it was it was really fun and the the idea is that we're kind of challenging each other okay well, if you get this tree, you need to keep it and work on it, and I'll keep one of these and work on those, and we'll see what we end up with, and we'll see how the weather changes things. We'll see yep. how our approaches we can and help the each other changes. Along yeah, the way. we've got lifelines. Uh, we're, you got one tree that I have almost the identical twin of, so we can yeah. compare and contrast how, yeah, how they grow yeah. differently. And yeah, that's that's going to be fun. And uh, so that was. That's not our normal everyday experience. We're more likely to walk into whether a retail nursery or. Like we were today, we got to tour a number of gardens throughout the Portland area, and one of the gardens happened to have quite a number of small trees in it. Yeah, well, well, both of them did. We, we actually, to, that's true. We saw a lot of small trees today. Yeah, um, it was it was refreshing to see a lot of nice quality showing out there. It, it gives me hope that we can piece together some good displays in the future. So the first time we walked through Dennis Voitia's garden, we were thinking, what? Small trees are out there, and there were some absolutely beautiful shohin. And then we kind of did a second pass of the garden and said, are there any trees that have an interesting branch or an interesting section of a trunk or an interesting anything that we could then 
carve a shoheen out of it if we had to. Yeah. Whether it meant cutting it down, taking the top, the bottom, the side. We're starting to look at everything differently. I'm walking by yeah, it was, hedges and trees. Oh, could we use that branch? Yeah, could can we use can that I stub? air layer this? Can yeah. I like where where is this small tree in there? It's it's like you're you're ignoring the big trees that were normally like, oh wow, these are cool. Uh, right. And and you're 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 thinking differently. You, you change yeah. your focus, your perspective. The, the fun thing about Dennis's garden is that inadvertently he's a, a, a shohin grower. Yeah. Whenever he gets little seedlings or or, or <laughs> things sprouting in the pots, or when he sticks cuttings and they start growing, um, you know, he's this is in the pot of a larger bonsai. Uh, it will be a, a a willow or a birch that volunteers itself and starts growing, or or if he's taking a cutting off the same plant and sticking it in. Uh, and what Dennis does is he kind of just pinches it for years and years and years while it's in the pot of a parent plant and he just makes these small little dense trees it's kind of fun yeah imagine your bonsai is planted in an anderson plant plant or anderson flat and you end up growing the accent inside the box along with it that's more or less what's happening it's really cute yeah yeah some of my favorite shohin on my my humble humble little shoheen bench Your over burgeoning there shoheen my bench. burgeoning sho- shoheen bench is is a lot of birch volunteers that that dennis yeah. uh that have come out of dennis's pots um and so that's one of the first things that came to mind is it takes creativity to build a collection at any scale but with shoheen because we're working so small we really need an incredibly small discreet piece of quality that we can build from we're looking for one or more trunks and it's funny branches don't even come into the consideration in most cases we're really looking for where will the base of the trunk be will it be a clump style or a single trunk and we keep holding up our fingers kind of doing that hang 10 thing to to guesstimate this is approximately eight inches we're going to be somewhere in the right ballpark this is going to be a little over let's pass on this this is useless this one's going to be under let's let's go for that yeah and so it was it just adds another thing to think about as you're walking through the garden. It's very easy when you walk through a nursery and think, do I like this one? Do I like that one? But now we're looking and evaluating. The canopy is too dense. Let's look inside there. Oh, what if we air layered the top three inches of this? What well, maybe we... this will be great for like a, a little ca- cascade stand outside of the box. Or Do you think yeah. it'd be three years or five years until we yeah. could get Yeah. You know, the other fun thing that we saw at Dennis is not just some of these younger trunks that maybe has some potential, but was a lot... He, he has so many trees. Dennis has a huge, huge, oh, huge collection, <laughs> and he just trees. has like a lot, like a little tiny, th- you know, crab apple that's been in a pot. It probably hasn't been repotted for I don't know, ten, twelve, fifteen years, something <laughs> like that. So it's got this tremendous age, nice bark, but it's it hasn't really been been tended to very much. So it's very, very long. And we're looking at these these small things like can, there's the age here. This is a sm- yeah. such a small tree with such tremendous age and character. But it, there's there's no there's nothing grown into it. And it's you know, fun to kind of look at both the young trees and the old trees that that are small and, and those. That's right. Ways. And we had just been through a number of other gardens in the Portland area earlier this morning, and we were primarily appreciating the trees. Isn't this a nice tree? Or what might I do with that? Or let's troubleshoot the health issues going on. Whereas Dennis has really invited our creativity for oh, what would we do with a branch like that? Or what might you? manipulate that into yeah that was fun uh scott's garden was nice too we went to see scott elster's garden wow and uh he has a lot of nice shoheen and and that was that was pretty fun to see yeah that really kicked us off and he's got all kinds of different species and we were really impressed at just 
how many different forms you can get within something that's so small. Yeah, the fun thing about Scott is that he's he Scott is very into native plants. And when Scott says native, you know, you, native has many many different definitions. But when when Scott says it, he kind of means Pacific Northwest or, yeah. or West Coast kind of native plants. And uh, the fun thing about Scott is because he's so into this these these types of plants and, and where they come from, he's he's wants to create. He has this vision to create a native you know Pacific Northwest shohin display. So he has a, he has a redwood. He has uh, two different types of of uh, alders he has a mountain ash he has a red currant he's got an oregon white oak he's he's starting to grab all these you know trees and and shrubs and vines that grow all around us here uh, and start to you know create those 20 30 trees that he can then slim down to five for (laughs) a box display i mentioned to scott that his is one of a small number of gardens where when i walk along the aisles i think wow I would really enjoy working with that tree and that tree and that tree and that tree and on and on. It's the kind of garden that I kind of dream about. And I asked him, uh, where, what does it take to create a great garden? And he kind of he laughed. He gave us some fun, fun things to think yeah. about. Uh, but after uh, the briefest chuckle, he held out his finger and said, well, number one, I married late, so I was single for a long time, and I had extra time and money. <laughs> and time those and extra resources yeah. um, meant if you're uh, not going out all the time, you've got a lot more time to work on trees. Yeah, he said he spent a lot of Friday nights, you know, wiring a bonsai <laughs> nut, you know, buying someone dinner or something like that. That's right. And then he jumped to number two, which really felt like one of the keys, which was he said it really comes down to opportunity. And he didn't use the word, but serendipity in that. He said, you know, he didn't just walk into bonsainursery.com and buy everything. He said, well, this tree I got from so-and-so, and and that one I grew over 20 years, and that one someone was looking for a home for that, and that tree I bought, but really I've had it 30 years now, and I grew all the branches from scratch. And every tree had its story, but he said the genesis or the starting point of each of these was there's some happenstance that put that tree before him when he was in a position to acquire it. Yeah, and and the wonderful thing about Scott is that shows his his activity level in the community. Scott's Scott's you know going to the 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 fun gardens that are in town. He's he's going to the the, the club and, and participating. He's he's, he's teaching, doing conventions. He's helping. He's, he's yeah. volunteering. He's exhibiting his trees. And for those who don't know, you may have seen Scott's trees at US national exhibits where they've won awards, at Pacific Northwest exhibits where they've won awards. He has a truly impressive yeah, collection. It has to be one of the best collections in the the, 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 in the North area. America. There's no has. question. Um, and then but, the third thing that Scott said was He's not afraid of long-term projects, of going deep. And he said he kind of gets the delayed gratification that Bonsai provides. And, well, I really want this tree to exist. And so he wanted to work on it. And now after, wow, some of his projects are getting 20, 30 years old. And they're gorgeous. Yeah, they're really fun. You know, everybody knows Scott for his large conifers, his large native conifers specifically. Uh, But something I've really enjoyed uh, with my friendship with Scott is that he has a passion for developing deciduous, too. He he has several Japanese maples that he's just been slow growing uh, in boxes and flats and and things. And, you know, I I love to go over and work with Scott because uh, it's it's fun to see these trees progress. And he has a real passion for developing these trees slowly, like, like Ann Spencer. Who who he yeah. has a lot of her trees and she's kind of done that a generation you know before it us. It reminded me a lot of those trees that 
Michael Hagedorn has been slow growing yeah. in his garden for so many years. They have, they're very similar sizes. These trees are all about 20 inches tall <laughs> and they have gentle movement and the canopies are about 70% of the way there. Yeah, we were at Michael's garden. Do you, do you remember any Shoheen there? That is not a Shoheen garden. I'm going to guess Michael's attitude towards Shoheen resembles that of Azalea's. Yeah, yeah. He he tells me that they're they're not bonsai, and of course he knows that they are bonsai. But but what his point when he he told me that once was that uh, you know Shoheen and, and Satsuki's they have their own professionals, they have their own communities, That's they have right. their own exhibitions, they have their own different customers they have you know they're they're very separate groups within this larger overall group of bonsai and that's right and in aesthetics too you know shoheen uh the fun thing about shoheen is they're not wabi-sabi you don't yeah. see a lot of wabi-sabi in shoheen you, you see a lot of fun in shoheen you see things that are you know attention seeking putting things in painted pots for example yeah. or pink pots or, or uh very colorful glazes you know we almost never see the type in, in of, of artistic glazing that we see in Shoheen pots and larger pots in exhibitions like the Kokofu. And so uh, Shoheen just, it just has a lot more room for fun because uh, like, like we've, we've talked about, you know, with a display space, you have six feet and you got, you can fill that with one large tree, two medium trees or a whole bunch of small trees yeah, and Shoheen. Six. Yeah. <laughs> so Shoheen really gives us, you know, the, the, the room to, to, to play. Uh, uh, within that space yeah which because there is so much room for small trees that's what's been really focusing our attention on where will these be coming from and so we would love to record an episode at a nursery the first chance we get we would i'm very curious the the number of nurseries that are available up here in the pacific northwest is staggering for those that aren't in this area yeah fun you know the only tree that i actually did buy today for for shoheen <laughs> <laughs> was from matt reel's place the 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 last garden that we well, not the last yep. but the, the the last one that we haven't mentioned uh, and i got a really fun um what is it kotohime, kotohime japanese maple uh and i think there's actually three shoheen <laughs> as we were looking yeah uh, or, or maybe two uh you know air layer a couple on top it's this tree it's the tree started from an air layer so it has a nice swelling yeah. around the base where it goes into the soil um it's about the as thick as my thumb uh but it's maybe two feet tall something like that and so it's funny is this is a tree that any good bonsai teacher would tell you to walk right past. And yeah. I think that applies to both of us as well. But if we're in our radar set to Shoheen mode, yeah, we both immediately look at the base and we say, you know, we could cut. I could trunk chop that. And, yeah, and we could chop it down to it. about two inches. But then I look up and think, oh, there's a split up above. First you air layer off the top. Then you cut it down below and we get at least oh and is there another branch so yeah this year we do the top air layer next year you do the bottom <laughs> cut and then you uh you, then you have two or three trees out of one generous gallon can that's that's and it's good because we're going to need two or three more <laughs> konohime to give us you know <laughs> the option to have maybe one for for that box that's right and so as we're looking at these trees i'm kind of flashing through all of the shohin articles i've read in old issues of bonsai today magazine which is uh probably the best resource I can think of that would have kind of some development articles of ideas about how do you really start from scratch and build something out on a small scale. I don't remember which issues, but there are some articles along the way that are really good examples of that. 
Yeah, yeah, we need more people starting from scratch. You know, Scott, you know, the fun, fun another fun thing about Scott Elser is I, I got maybe a, a dozen or so of his uh, Shoheen grown uh, crab apples, and I'm so glad that we're, we're sending you home with one of those because yeah. uh, it will be fun to, you know, compare notes uh, on that tree as well. It's uh, kind of the main benefit of growing trees in batches is I've always thought if you can share them out to different people, then if anything catastrophic happened, at your, least your trees least are still out there. The line can live on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so be careful fun where your trees go. It. But uh, but I yeah. actually do think about that. Yeah, I like that. We're all one lime sulfur experiment away from <laughs> catastrophe. Yeah. 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 How, how else are we going to buy these or, or build this, this Shoheen collection? Do you think there's much room in a uh, genuine question? Do you think there's much room in nursery stock? Uh, just going to a garden center and, and getting... What would you look for? What do you look for when you go for to a garden center for Shoheen? So here's what's so fun about Shoheen. If we break down what a, what a very standard box display would include, you're going to have a formal upright, an informal upright, a semi-cascade, a clump style, and maybe another informal upright or something. And what that tells you is, oh, what trees naturally grow in those different forms? And when I think of the absolute easiest starting point... Look for anything that naturally takes a clumping form. And so when I think, oh, a lot of nurseries carry contorted quince. A lot of nurseries mm. carry just flowering quince. And those are just two that come right off the bat where you can buy a one, two, or even five-gallon can, cut it back to almost nothing, put it in a little pot, and you're a flush of growth away from having your rudimentary silhouette, depending on how much structure is in there. Yeah, I think uh, I think Shannon, Shannon uh Salier, yeah. Yeah, in uh and where is he? Kentucky. He's in L- Kentucky. Uh I I learned from him that he he does a lot of shopping at a uh, uh, nurseries. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and that's where he he generates a lot of his, his showing material and, and I thought that was fun. Uh it, it it's next time you know I always go to as as we talked about in our last podcast, I always go to nurseries and I'm shopping for big deciduous trees that are going to be you know three four five feet tall something like that <laughs> as eventual bonsai i'm i can't wait to go to a, a nursery now and, and have the exact opposite focus <laughs> when i'm when i'm looking for something yeah it'll be really neat now you mentioning shannon's a good point since he's one of our really good resources for people who are making trees available for people and uh, really good quality starts. One cool thing about Shoheen that may be a little different is I've taught so many times that you typically don't make a big bonsai by starting with a small bonsai and just adding time. You start Mm. with a small tree and you add sacrifice branches and some really serious growing before you get to the trunk. Then you start on branches and it's a more staged process. Whereas with Shoheen, you really can cut something down to um, a reasonable silhouette and it's a good placeholder until you have a better or bigger tree at that size and honestly having one weak link in a display is better than having a missing tree in the display and so we're both focused on you know what can we do right now and then what can we do longer term to have an improved version so it's funny we're looking for how do we get that silhouette so we can start playing with the displays and then how can we build from there yeah yeah it's fun i think you told me earlier this this week uh you know the best shoheen come from kifu the trees that are cut for down junipers or, or, yeah and and that's that's a really fun thing to think about finding a, and suthin oh, oh my gosh another person we can mention who oh, does man. you know probably some of the best Shoheen work in the country. Yep. Um, a lot of his progressions, if you go and look at his website, are 
um, you know, he's he's taking a, a medium sized tree or, or really kind of a bush <laughs> or like, you know, something something quite large. And he's cutting it down. He's making these really killer show heat. And his 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 progressions, I think, are really inspiring because they're um, it, it's it's the starting the transformation point. is radically different from the finish. radically different. It's yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah, and that's what's fun, and that's what you see in a lot of Shohin demonstrations is, you know, someone will be starting with something much bigger and ending up with something much smaller yeah, really fast. And junipers are one of the absolute best uh, starting points for that. And so that was something else Andrew and I were looking at were a lot of junipers that were maybe 12, 15 inches tall, and uh, could we get that down? Maybe if we planted yeah. it an angle, maybe if we gin the top a little yeah. bit. Like my taiga juniper, yes, for example, for from the workshop. Uh, that that tree is, I think, nine inches. Oh, don't, it's a really don't, annoying... You don't need to admit to that on it's, there. It's a really annoying nine <laughs> inches right now. And, uh, and so there are. we could either make it a very compelling kifu or come up with some ideas for uh getting it just under where we need it to be yeah yeah i, I like the options there the the fun thing about that is you know i i do think we need more kifu too and that's you know shohin if if shohin doesn't get enough attention then kifu oh my gosh nobody nobody talks about kifu no one talks about kifu and i remember when we first started when i first started hearing about it was from boone and i thought well do we need another category it's a subcategory of medium the other categories are relatively exclusive yeah. what is this subcategory of medium that is kifu and it's really fantastic at a lot of the i don't know about a lot but at least some of the shohin exhibits in japan you will see not just the you know 20 centimeter and under category but you're going to see a lot of kifu and sometimes chuhin trees but typically that kifu size and i think it's such a good size because while shohin bonsai are often compact silhouettes kifu's just being that little bit bigger can suggest some of the structure movement and often even grace that you see in larger trees that's hard to represent at the smallest scale yeah some of the trees that i'm enjoying the most in my garden right now are kifu um i i think they're they're uh i don't know um, I, I showed you a few trident maple kifu that I have. The, the taiga yeah. juniper is really fun. It's it, it's a fun category, and and I don't know. I think it's probably easier to piece together a kifu display because you just need two, yeah. um, with a really good accent, and uh, or maybe yeah. one kifu and one shohin. And that's the other fun thing. We for all the talk about box stands, you can display a shohin with one. You can create a shohin display with a single tree. You can do it with two. You can do it with three. You can do it with five. You can do it with six. And so we've got a lot of options for how to put something together. Yeah, that circles us back to display, which is, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the integral, driver. the driver of, of, of Oh, and shohin. I didn't mention mini bonsai. There's another category, the smallest one at the big shohin shows like Gafu 10, where Ah, I forget the numbers, but it might be closer to 11 or 12 trees in a single display. Yeah. But they're all about three and a half inches tall. They're fantastic. It's fun. I, I the the purport, you know Gafu Ten is so fun. And and for those of you who who don't know about it, you know I've actually never been, but I feel like I've been because one, <laughs> I have several catalogs, but two, you can go on YouTube. You can go to Gafu Ten on YouTube yeah. every year. Uh, and if if that's a great way to you know spend an afternoon is is to to watch someone walk through those exhibitions. Uh, but the thing I like about the proportions in Gafu Ten is, you know, maybe ten percent of them are chuhin, maybe. 30% of them are 
uh, Kifu, and then maybe 60% of the displays are box, you know, you know, large and medium size Shoheen. And it's, it's, it's fun that they include, you know, other, other categories, even though it's the Shoheen convention. Yeah. For the expo, we broke it down into just the three categories. We lumped the Kifu in with the Chuhin. And I believe there are some Kifu and some Shoheen in there. I know there are at least some Shoheen because I submitted a Shoheen display, and we'll find out if it gets accepted yeah. or not. I'm not totally convinced right now. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I did too, and so <laughs> that's just another reason that you know when I was piecing together trees for this submission because you know we we both did it because we knew it was a weak, a weak category. We weren't getting submissions, and we we want to, we want to represent that that part of the community and and that's what, kind of i think what put it independently in each of our minds is well we have some small trees and it is fun when there's more sizes in, in an exhibit ah, let's see what happens yeah yeah maybe we can piece one together maybe we yeah. have enough to pull it off and and so that, then we start thinking well let's see yeah you have that that one tree's kind of nice but uh, five more i don't know we'll see and then it's then it's coming down to do i have a show pot for that tree yeah, Do I have it, a stand for that tree? Do it, I have a box stand for the stand for the pot for the tree? Yeah, and everything changes when like you take this thing that you think is a shohin and then you put it on the the, the box stand and it's like, oh, that's not a show. <laughs> and you start measuring yeah. and then you start seeing how they relate in size to it, to one another because when they're sitting on a bench, you might not necessarily pick up that one might be a small shohin, one might be a, a larger shohin. And and yeah. you know, once you start putting it on a stand, that that it was it was so revealing to me instantly. It yeah, was, Andrew had to check in with me. He had everything all planned until he started putting them on the stand to take pictures. Then he started texting me and said, uh, I need a new stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah new lots trees. of stands, <laughs> yeah. lots of trees. Uh, but it's fun. It's, you know, Shoheen is so playful and fun that, you know, I, I it's it's adding a new excitement yeah. and, and uh, a new focus to, to my, you know, building of the collection and, and, and thinking about display. And you really put your finger on the challenge of how many trees are needed to put these displays together. It's one reason why Shoheen clubs are such a good idea because that's when people can start combining and mixing and matching. And whether or not that makes it into an exhibit, it starts giving you concrete examples where you can see your tree next to good and bad complements, which can guide what do you want to grow? What do you want to shop for? What do you want to develop? Or what do you want to just keep at arm's length? Because you know it's not going to fit in with what you've been with the rest of your program yeah yeah and so i'm thinking now like i'm, I'm thinking about my shoheen bench and you know i have you know i just got two great trees that are you know from, from you with our trades that are going to be <laughs> the, the the king the black pine on top of those those box stands uh i have a bunch of deciduous i have a bunch of uh, smaller deciduous ones in the work, so I need some larger um, um, show of the Shoheen. Yeah, you've size. got a good start on kind of two categories: the maximum size, and then maybe two notches down. So a number of trees will be right at seven and a half, eight inches, and you'll have another display where they're all around, and then maybe five, five and a half inches. You know, you know what I have zero of is broadleaf evergreens. <laughs> that's a, that's a very big problem, and that's uh, something we need to talk about because... Well, let's start um, there in our material search. Do you want to introduce broadleaf evergreen shoheen into this garden? I do, even though this is a deciduous garden, and, and the, the majority of my shoheen bench, you know, probably 60% of it or, or two-thirds of it is going to be deciduous shoheen. Um, to make a beautiful box display, 
I'm going to need some broadleaf evergreens. Just like I have, you know, a few junipers, I have a few pines now, thanks to you. Uh, and my client, Christian, who's 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 yeah. wonderful at, at growing shoheen pines. So um, what broadleaf evergreens like Portland? Everything. <laughs> everything likes Portland. Olives? Uh, uh, olives do pretty okay here. Uh, we're, pretty we were, okay, not super strong? You know, we're, we were driving down by Dennis. There's a uh, olive orchard. That that's planted there. Make Oregon olive oil, which uh, is fun. Yeah. Uh, they they do the colder varieties like Arba Arba Quinoa or, or oh, whatever that right, one's called. Right. Um but uh yeah, olives do okay here. Um you know, it's probably not the best environment for the more tropical broadleaf evergreens that we use, like Kinzu, the kumquat, or gardenia, but you know, they're showing. I could put up like a mini greenhouse and they <laughs> keep yeah. them nice and warm. As and long as they're fun. greenhoused over your long fall winter spring yeah. i wonder if if people and, and this is where we should ask friends like actually i did ask this john romano uh he's in, in uh. rhode island uh and he keeps his kinzu and i think i'm not sure if he had a gardenia but he keeps his kinzu in his he has like a kitchen uh like a, a kitchen oh, window right. like right. awning kind of bay window kind of thing yeah. uh, that's like a mini greenhouse and so olive kinzu kumquat uh, uh, olive kinzu, um, which is dwarf kumquat, right? Um, gardenia, gardenia, gardenias are great. Prenma, well, uh, those are kind of deciduous. I guess if it gets cold enough. Yeah, the, well, the prenma that they mostly use traditionally in Gafuten is must maple, which is not a maple at all. It's prenma japonica, right? Right, um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful tree. But that's deciduous. Yeah. Um, but so kinzu, azalea, azalea. Are you gonna deign yourself to allow an azalea on the property? Well. I have a few. I have this. This that's uh, true. You got a beautiful one right behind us. It's, <laughs> yeah, just, it's just about, about to, to open up. up, but not as many as I should. Um, Can you air layer off all those branches and make little shoheen forests? I could, but that's <laughs> that's a nice little forest. I don't want to <laughs> mess with don't, that. One. Please don't mess with it. It's gorgeous. Yeah, you know what I would really love? Um, not bonsai looking shoheen azaleas, but you know, in Michael's azo spruce that we saw today, yeah, um, he has that small azalea growing in it. I, uh, it, yeah. it's like it looks like an azalea it's it's a very maintained you know shrub it's, it's a That's small right. shrub but it's it's a it's a dwarf it's a coconut's eye uh, and it's beautiful i think a few of those in shoheen pots would be just marvelous um but yeah going back to broadleaf evergreens uh, azaleas you know in gafuten i always see them exhibited you know a, a, a whole display of azaleas i never i've never seen yeah i can't i'm I imagine it's happened, but it, it, I don't think of it as a very common. Yeah, they don't include them to in mix in with the other bonsai. Yeah, which is strange. I wonder yeah. why they don't do that. Um, they because always, azalea because, are their own subculture. Yeah, that's exactly. Why. Um, so, so uh, silverberry, we see gumi. Oh, a lot. gumi, of course. The Agnes is fantastic. Uh, one of the m- most f- uh, common ones that we see Mayumi, uh, in Japan. Uh, which which one? Pyrus. Oh, Pyrus. Mayumi. That's fun. Yeah, that's in the modern yeah, ones. We've, I we've seen those. One of the most common ones that they use is star jasmine. Or, or is it winter jasmine? Winter jasmine. Winter jasmine. Yeah, yeah. Trachlospermum asiaticum. Yeah, and that's one that you, is in almost every every that's other yeah. every, every other box stand there. Those are fantastic. And we have, you know, if who, you're listening, please grow them. Yeah, uh, who who's growing them right now? We need someone who needs to be We know a lot of people have them, and I've seen a lot of small ones out. Yeah, um, especially need, back east. I don't know of anyone out west. Yeah, we need them. someone to be like Michael was with Chochibai. We need someone to like just 
get passionate about jazz. It'll take a while, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be patient. Just check in with us in 10 years. Yeah, that brings up, you know, a good point that John Romano uh, said in, in the podcast I did with him is that, you know, the Shohin community in Japan heavily, heavily relies on everyday practitioners and hobbyists you know people who like you who are listening or like us you know uh who who just love bonsai and have a lot in our backyards and and the you know just regular people from the community like scott elser with these crab apples yeah. was such a big stimulus to to the you know shohin professionals like urshibata yeah i'm just running through my head now where our other starting points are going to be um other than retail nurseries it's tough, but the, the, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, otherwise starting from scratch is the long game and I've been doing plenty of that, but I think it'll be maybe, maybe just checking in with all of our pre bonsai growers, even if they're growing for larger trees, there might be a lot of options for layering or cutting down there since the pre bonsai growers often focus on the species that we're already interested in. Yeah, you know, looking back at the St. Louis Shoheen Convention, I'm, I'm remembering where they got material. Uh, and they relied on importing, which is the, the very right, hard way to, right. to go. But they imported these junipers, which required two-year quarantine. So they were really planning this pretty far wow. ahead. Um, they imported white uh, white pines that were grafted on black pine. But yeah. um, that's a fairly easy one among the hard task of importing to, to bring in. Yeah, but I think uh, a lot of our growers will have them. And I imagine that a bunch of people will speak up. I know Left Coast Bonsai is working on a number. Yeah, it'll we'll be, be a fun while to see those they're tomorrow. working on it. Yeah. I know there's others out there across the country. Ooh, which brings up another vector for starting Shoheen. And this came up at Farm to Table over the weekend. When's the last time you saw a collected tree as a compelling shohin yeah not a collected tree that's small or young but a collected compelling shohin we, we might have seen one at michael's um he has uh he, he likes these he calls them orchids these these small bonsai that he puts on some you know abstract thing like a, a bent or melted board and then he attaches it to a shade cloth structure and uh he has one that's probably the most twisty young uh, shimpak, or what's well, a shimpaku now, but a twisty oh, young right, juniper that right. I've seen. Uh, and it's a tree that backcountry bones I collected. Uh, they called it Duncan because uh, <laughs> it looked like a twisty Duncan donut. Oh, that's um, but uh, yeah, Duncan is this real twisty. I think it. I think it would classify as shohin, uh, even though it's not in a pot. It's probably just about eight inches. The height is fine, but it's so broad, it reads a little bigger than that. But it, either way, it would fit in a show focusing on smaller trees, that's for sure. Yeah. But actually, that brings up a good point. There are. It's not uncommon to start with a collected tree and then root graft to remove a section and yeah. just find the best quality. So it could be that relatively small features, this would be silly, I hadn't thought of that, but are there features on our collected material that we can either root graft or air layer away to yeah. propagate? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm actually kind of excited to go to Randy Knight's again soon because, oh, yeah. uh, because I'm going to have a very different focus. This I know. Time. I wonder if I need to stay another day now. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should. Maybe, maybe, uh, but yeah, that would be fascinating to, to, it's not Look, the normal thing you're thinking about at Randy's garden. No, it's the opposite. That's um, right. And, and the thing, you know, if you talk to someone like Randy or if you talk to Backcountry or you talk to Anton, they'll always tell you that, you know, the big trees, they're a dime a dozen. I could, they're, you know, they're out there. Finding a, a, a right. small tree with interest is 
it's you it's know hard. You just don't see that yeah, a lot. You don't see that. I've seen a few. Actually, I have seen a handful of very compelling showing in the mountains that were at least to me radically uncollectible as in a chunk of Sierra Juniper, Rocky Mountain Juniper completely wedged into the mountain. What what made them not collectible? They were just I don't really go into the whole carving through granite thing. Yeah, they, I, I guess haven't been there. <laughs> it's not yeah. a, when there's you, a single root that goes goodness knows how many feet into the crack. So I guess a good question for someone like Randy would be are 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 you just not seeing as much of them or is are you seeing them the effort, they're, they're, they're or do they just not live? Yeah. Do they not yeah. have the resources because they've been so radically uh, yanked yeah, from their it's homes? It's probably yes to all of, all yeah, of those things. Yeah, it would not surprise me. Because it's uh, not like no one would want to collect a tree. In Japan, you don't, that I know of, you just don't see collected trees in Shohin. Not with any regular... Well, yeah. I shouldn't say that. I'm sure they're out there, but it's not the average tree. Very, very rare. The, these are trees that have to be grown, and that's that's why it was fu- a yeah. fun Actually, topic. I should ask and find out if there's any good collected options in Japan, because we might have something similar. It could be that a lot of our domestic deciduous species are great candidates for collecting. There are so many oaks, shrub-like things that, um, that we find on the sides of roads that as long as they're woody, they might actually be a pretty compelling option for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was another thing that came up at Farm to Table. Our friend Machek yeah. uh, uh, brought up a great point that, you know, sometimes a seedling in a forest, you know, especially the forest that we have here in the Pacific Northwest with, Northwest with such a dense biomass, the seedling starts to grow and it has to grow through layers of moss and chunks of rotting wood on the ground. And it creates all these little twists and turns in it. Uh, and then it grows ramrod straight. And, and when you're walking in the forest, you just think you see this straight trunk little seedling but then you go and and dig around the base and it has all this crazy movement uh Amachek just was was telling me about this group of alders that he went and uh, collected and it's like they have all the you know first little bends they didn't have to wire anything you know to get them started and that's that could be a really fun starting point to, to where you thicken something like that up and then then we can start to use it it's funny now that i think about it showing uh for a lot of redwood bonsai are these tall, skinny, straight things. But when you dig down a little bit, that's where these broad bases emerge oh, under the surface. They're, you'd never, you never walk along and see the bonsai just sitting there. They're always uh, buried down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Where, 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 where have you seen the Shoheen redwoods come from? Are they mostly They just... all come from Mendocino Coast bonsai in Point Arena, California, yeah, they're... where Bob Scheiman has them. Yeah, what, what are they? Because they're all like these little Hershey Kiss... Mount yes. Fuji looking things like wh- when you're walking along and you see a skinny little two inch redwood sticking up out of the ground down underneath that there will be a little Hershey's kiss crazy yeah and that's why there's a big cut on the top of just about every one okay yeah. fascinating yeah and that goes for the bigger ones too huh and so you know you look for road construction we, crews you look for people tearing these things out for whatever the species are yeah redwood I think of, of our native plants that you know, and we saw one at Scotts, and we've seen a lot of people do it. I think maybe maybe uh, there's one at Peter's place. It's a fantastic one at Peter T's garden. Right? Yeah, in the various made a great. That's one. such a native, a, a great native species for bonsai. I think. Yeah, because really you is. get such high density with, with the pinching techniques that you can do. And yeah, that's right. That's that's one that we don't see in Gafu Ten, but we we might see in some <laughs> American shohin shows if we ever get those. Yeah, it reminds you. I don't know that I've seen a lot of Atlas Cedar shohin. <laughs> Do you think that would make a good one? Boy, it, I'm just trying to think what style the tree would be. 
Yeah. It'd be kind of cool to have a semi-cascade. The color would be nice in a box display. The color would be fantastic. I think I just made up a really hard challenge for myself. Yeah, that sounds... I, I. Let's do it. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fun. Or you tell us about it. Because yeah. <laughs> do you think you could have? I mean, this is kind of unusual, but it, it's it's reminiscent of like a exposed root semi cascade white pine. You know, yeah. it has the same color foliage. I wonder if you could do the same thing with a an atlas cedar. It could be done. I just don't know if it's easy enough to make it worth doing. We'll yeah. see. Could be very easy. I have no idea. Yeah, that's one to put in the explore oh, box. Man. Yeah, and so speaking of using the cedars, Andrew mentioned some of the things that make Shoheen bonsai fun. We have, we can use any species we want for any size bonsai, but for some reason, we have more, we see more species in Shoheen than other sizes because Because we we need that variety. We need the the variety, and we don't have as far to go. In other words, we're not yeah. we're not teaching ourselves deep Escalonia techniques or viburnum <laughs> techniques. We're saying, "Oh, look, that thing's woody. Let's cut it back. Cool, it's sprouted. Let's, let's get a little a stump. Let's put some you know, you <laughs> some twigs it. on it. Oh, look, it's a burberry. Great, yeah. And there are some great giant burberries, but uh, this would be a wonderful thing to make a shoheen because it gives you. Yeah. thorns it gives you deciduous and it gives you that wonderful flowers and fruits yeah, yeah flowers and yeah everything so yeah what 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 flowers and fruits do we need to see more of I, i'm gonna say one first and then i want you to name a few but to me princess persimmon uh, that's the star yeah that's that's the star we we need a ton of princess persimmon shoking yeah and i've mentioned it before my first fall show i visited in japan was taikon 10 which is held roughly thanksgiving and what will immediately strike you if you haven't been to a Japanese fall exhibit is every other accent plant in the room is a fruiting tree. It'll be deciduous with a bunch of twigs and some fantastic fruit. So if you're going to open up with princess persimmon, I'm going to add crab apple. And that's a lot of different crab apples. Yeah. Yeah, I really love in Gafuten the uh, the the yellowish orange ones the small ones that are those about are, pea sized oh my gosh those are so striking I need some of those uh, you, you have those right should I tell Andrew that I'm growing them yes I do have okay. a bunch of those more traits that is that malice seaboldii <laughs> yeah seabold's crab aka zumi have you actually seen those color fruit on yours yet or have yes they? okay yeah I was told they wouldn't start fruiting for 15-20 years and they pretty much started fruiting immediately crazier yet I get a lot of seeds from those, and are the they pretty seed, true to seed? The seeds sprout, so if you have a six-year-old tree, it'll oh fruit, and then those things fruit. And one tree that's five, six years old might have a few hundred seeds on it. Well, you you just you know we we were talking about I need a reason to come down to California before the expo, <laughs> maybe loading up with a few <laughs> and doing some more trades. Is, yeah, is I the, forget what I did with this year's. Ba- I had two large batches of seeds. It was interesting. One tree was genetically significantly different than the others. It has it's healthier. It has larger leaves and larger fruit, but it grows vigorously, and it's still a very minuscule crab apple. The fruit was maybe ten percent bigger than the others. What size trunks do you have on those? Are they pinky size yet? <sighs> the biggest swelling on the biggest one might be pinky size. I'm finding they're just swelling up very slowly. Okay, the standard crabs swell up really fast. I have some maybe two year old crabs that are already pencil size, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so are we just doing fruiting right now? Yeah, and so another okay. one came to my mind. What do you got? Uh, just fruiting. 
well there's two they, they're kind of the same okay. ish plant <laughs> the opposite colors uh, i think we need more beauty berries and we need more ilex serrata uh, okay, i'll take berries. beauty berry because that's what i was going to say okay. and that would be the calicarpa family most known for the purple fruit but there are also white fruited calicarpa oh, yeah, i happen right. to have both in the garden wow are are what 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 are your what are your uh, uh, shit what are they called <laughs> they're the calicarpa calicarpa what, yeah. what what do your beauty berry look like are they similar they're size three foot tall shrubs they're okay. not bonsai I don't think I could okay. possibly make a bonsai but okay. I can take cuttings from them I I haven't tried sprouting from seed but they uh, they take from cuttings easily from okay. what I've seen. Yeah, the purple. The purple is such a striking. You That's don't see many colors. The you see a lot of reds. Crazy. It's a pure white. Wow. I'll have to show you that. Yeah, that, that's it. That. They're both uh, tea flowers, which is why I have them in the garden for tea ceremony. Oh, but, uh, fun. fun. Yeah, so we, we, we need the beauty berry, but I'll take... Uh, and then the classic. I'll take winter berry. I have a lot of winter berry winter in the garden. Winter berry is great. And uh, I have a couple on my Shohin bench that are started. They're Telperion plants. I had a fantastic winter berry 15 years ago. That was really old, had amazing provenance, but because I've made questionable life decisions, I no longer have that tree. Oh, One of, someone has it. I don't remember who has it now. Oh, it was fun. a really interesting tree in that the male and the female were growing almost fused together in the same pot. Wow, that's, that's a fun... I put on gloves and operated. I successfully separated them and grew it for a whole lot of years and found... Apparently, it's really hard to close wounds on <laughs> Ilex. It, it, it is, unless you buy Kirikuchi. Uh, ah, Kirikuchi, Kirikuchi I'll show you tomorrow in the daylight. The, the Kirikuchi closes Ilex wounds beautifully, really really fast, a year or two. Um, nice. But, uh, yeah, we need... Uh, the, the fun thing about that I found with, with Winterberry is that it, it, for cuttings, they're so easy. It's one of oh, the easier nice. plants to take. Uh, you do need a male plant most of the time. Uh, to to get fruit, uh, but that's easy. Um, but yeah, they're you know the bright little red berries. They're they're pretty unbeatable. Okay, give us another another fruiting. Okay, well we mentioned the dwarf kumquat before kinzu, and that gets us into a category of fruiting trees that require greenhousing for most people in North America. Yeah, yeah. The dwarf kumquat. I think Shannon might be growing a few of those. I, when, think, I think some people in Florida are. I've seen them down in L.A. What's so great about them is broadleaf evergreen with fruit. And so it's, yeah. as far as I know, it is one of the most common broadleaf evergreens you'll see in Japan because they look absolutely gorgeous in uh, yeah, fall and winter when you've got the fruit on them. They're very cute. Deep green leaves, bright orange flowers, yeah. super tiny, smaller than a grape. Yeah, yeah, those are fun. Uh, and I'll mention another kind of warm greenhousey one. Uh, we need some uh, gardenia. Um, oh, gardenia! And, oh, I thought of another one too. Yeah, gardenia will be super, super fun. Uh, I've never grown gardenia. Have you ever grown that? In the landscape, but it's funny. It's just not warm enough for them to thrive where I live. They'll live, but we don't get uh, the growth in the flowers. So you need this a greenhouse for, for these too. Trees. I'd need a greenhouse in summer, and I don't know if I could greenhouse them year-round. I wonder if I, you know, I know people put their kinzu in the, the house, you know, just yeah. inside during the winter when they live in a you know cold climate. I wonder if you could do the same with gardenia. I'm guessing you could. I wonder. Technically, Eliagnus have fruit. We don't, we think of it as just a 
Yeah. Not a fruiting broadleaf evergreen, but they do have fruit on them. Sometimes you see that in shows. I thought of another fruit. Um, this is going back to deciduous. Huh? But, uh, Akibia? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's oh, kind of the Katsura with those big red fruit that open up, the little compound fruit. What are those? Oh, I don't know. The The one that I... Um, the one that I was thinking of, oh shoot, I forgot what it was. Um, oh no, it's a unanimous. Uh, it has that oh, my weird, name, yeah. weird fruit. <laughs> it's like yes, um, and you see a lot of those in the. Yeah, those the, are fairly common. Oh, uh, another one, uh, very similar to crabapple, uh, is uh, hawthorn. Oh uh, yeah, Crataegus. So That'd there's actually you, what we listed off a dozen fruiting plant something like that there, yeah there's, there's a again, lot of, them of another there. there are there are a lot and i think any of those would be great options yeah yeah we need more fruiting what about flowering uh, oh I a lot of oh, so yeah. i this is our transition plant one of my all-time favorite shohin i saw i forget not that many years ago um mr sasaki who is one of the tip tip top best shohin growers in japan took a Kokufu prize for his shohin display. Oh, what do you have? these were giant shohin. They were all a little bit too big to be normal shohin. <laughs> I believe they built an extra big stand for this. And they were Sounds just Sounds like a awesome. Rakuyo-sized shohin display. Yes, and so you might have to talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah. By the time the trees get just a couple inches bigger, the amount of complexity you can get in the branch densities out of this world. And one of my favorite trees in that display was a rose. Because uh, you get yeah. the hips in fall. Yeah, the rose hips are really, really and nice. And so you get the flowers. And Shannon, the Shannon grows a lot of rose. He I does. So yeah. I, we need to get some rose. If from someone Shannon. can, yeah, point us to a rose, I would love to grow uh, one of those dwarf roses. They're just fantastic. Yeah, going around, go, transitioning the flowering plants, a, a plant that does fr- uh, fruit, but we don't really enjoy the fruit is chochabai, which which Michael's of course, yeah, we really don't enjoy the fruit. Do we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that gets plucked off long before. But uh, yeah, Tochibai, they're often flowering uh, during the time of the exhibition in, in, in uh, winter. Well, this is a crazy thought, but it would actually not be hard to show them with fruit. We wouldn't want to, but you actually could. Yeah. It does not, I mean, they, they're always blooming. You just leave yeah, them Yeah, it would have to be the appear. fall blooms. So for those who don't know, my Tochibai kind of bloom every day of the year. Really? I keep hearing, doesn't matter the color, but the red-orange ones, I don't know that there's a day when we're not picking flower buds. And I, I'm December, January, February, all year long. You do get a little more in spring and a little more in fall, but it's, Is, it's just there's color on those things. Have you noticed that just with the red ones? Because I know the white ones here only flower in the spring versus the red ones can flower throughout the growing season. The white ones also flower throughout the year, but not wow. to the degree the red ones. Okay, I'll so it's a little less. Picks along the way. But the red ones are pretty intense. That's a regular task is to keep on top of those. But think of this. It just didn't occur to me. Some people don't have meaningful winters. I could show Chojubai in full leaf, giving me oh, the broad weird. I could Weird. do flowers and leaves in winter. Well, that might be interesting because maybe then that you don't need as many broadleaf evergreens. And if I don't want to go to the effort of greenhousing something, then I can uh, let something play double duty. You know, pluck it if you want or leave it. Now, I don't know if that's a gauche thing to do, but uh, I'll, I'll have <laughs> yeah, to check. I don't know about that one. I'll have to check with the Shoheen bosses about this. 
John Romano shaking a fist somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you will not. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's transition to conifers for a little bit. Not not my world, but uh, you know, of course we know pines. You know, black pine, white pine, and juniper, uh, shimpaku. Um, someone must have a red pine, Shoheen. Someone I've must made have a, a couple. Red I I think I have one that's maybe getting a little too tall, but uh. A friend yeah, of mine has one. the best red pine trunk I ever grew. I haven't seen it in a year or two. I'm really curious what it's looking like. Yeah, we saw a lot of uh, small red pines at Scott Elser's. That's another batch. Oh, those are so fun. But uh, yeah, so un- unusual conifers. Um, it's within the juniper family. You know, we we all talk about and love shimpakus, but uh, tosho is is makes a nice shohin. Yeah, you don't see a lot of tosho in Japanese exhibits. I don't know why. I wonder if it's just inherently yeah. hard or if nobody wants to field grow I, I think in the, the books I have, I see maybe one in every ten You just displays. don't see a lot. Yeah. It's something you see a lot of that I'm really excited for is cryptomeria. Yeah. Sugi is a fantastic species for... Yeah, we Showing. were just at Matt's today. Again, another way yeah. on how you shop. Maybe you know, <laughs> Matt just had this huge, you know, probably what five foot tall. That was taller than me. Yeah, I forgot to ask him about that. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, Jonas is like, I want to buy this just because there's 15 air layers out of here that I can make. You I've know, done it before. Yeah, I love air layering cryptomeria. Yeah, didn't you say they're super easy? Yes, I, I, I have yet to find a species easier to layer than cryptomeria. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. They're great. Like, they're. they're do you think they're easier get, than a maple? Oh, it's no contest. Really? Yeah. I mean... Like, easier than a Japanese maple. many, many times I've air-layered Japanese maples, and the first year I get callus, I reopen it, and the second year I get roots and remove it. So in general, Japanese maples are great, but cryptomeria, even if you get three straggly roots, sometimes you can just cut it and plant it, and it'll grow. Wow. They're, uh, They're pretty great. And then the bases swell. More than any species I've layered, you get flare at the base of the trunk. Uh, to an incredible degree like, no other species does that yeah like you know g- going along with cryptomeria something that looks up very similar to a cryptomeria is the hinoki or the seca hinoki seca hinoki is probably the most popular species for showing co- uh, conifers right now so yeah. we're going to need a lot of those and you know uh, oh, I guess bigger hinokis would be a little bit tougher but I think someone out there can make a saguara shohin. I oh, think kind yeah, of a moss cypress or saguara cypress. Yeah, maybe the sukumo could Sukomo. work well. I think any of those would work. You don't see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I have. I'm making a skeptical face, but I. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a reason why not to use any of those, but they're not common in Japan or here, from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I have a friend in St. Louis who has a. Uh, my friend Jesse has a nice. Uh, I think it's still a shohin, a hinoki cypress. We need um, to go to a European Shoheen event. Let's let's call up Morton Albeck and find out uh, what his recommendations <laughs> yeah, where, where are for Shoheen. That would be fun. Yeah, you know, the trophy has, uh, it, it seems yep. like a competitive Shoheen category every year. That's because Mark and Rita show at the event, ah, and they fun. always put on some of the best Shoheen displays in Europe. And for those who don't know, the Coopers, uh, if you go to any show in the UK and you see an out-of-this-world Shoheen display, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just introduce yourself to Mark and Reed and thank them for doing such a great job because the odds are good it's theirs. What, are we missing any Shohin conifers that are traditionally used? We, we got Seca Hinoki, we got, you know, our, our junipers, our three pines. Yeah. What are we I missing? We, we got Cryptomeria. I feel like there's another one. I just can't place it. 
and uh, someone someone listening to the podcast is shouting one. <laughs> yes, right and we have no excuse for not remembering because it's actually not quite midnight yet. This yeah. is early for us. <laughs> yeah, we should be sitting down with a Gafu <laughs> Ted book. Yeah, uh, but but maybe there's not. Oh, uh, do you ever see Taxis? Do you ever see you? Ooh, I, I don't see a lot of Taxis, but again, no reason not to. Yeah. Which brings up Hemlock. Yeah, I, you know I. I John Eads uh, at Left Coast just got his uh, Anton's final haul, yeah. um, uh, who who retired from Yamadori hunting here in, in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And I, you know, I was shopping for Shoheen over there, and I was hoping to find a small shore pine or a, uh, a, a mountain pine hemlock, actually, uh, and I couldn't find one. I was so so bummed. Okay, so as a Californian, I guess I have to mention Monterey Cypress. I don't know that I've seen a Shoheen Monterey Cypress, oh, but weird. I have seen the Pygnus, Pygmy Mendocino Cypress done yeah. as Shoheen. Yeah, interesting. So that would be two options. Yeah, we we talked about, if, if we're leaving tradition, we talked about Redwood, which would be fun. Yeah, and so, yeah, apart from the Cypress and Redwood, we also have a variety of oaks in California. I don't know that I've yeah. seen a lot of... I have seen valley oak, maybe a kifu size, maybe down to Shoheen, but I've definitely worked on live oak Shoheen. Oh, I thought of another conifer. Do we ever see Azo spruce Shoheen? I have a, I have Boy. a kifu one. But, yeah, uh, you don't see Azo, do you? No, uh, maybe, maybe, why not? Maybe occasionally. There's maybe one in twenty or one in thirty gafu ten. Maybe displays. more upright maybe style one or twin trunk or something. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I mean, it has a, such great characteristics for Shoheen. It has really yeah. nice, dense <laughs> Which brings foliage. up Colorado Blue Spruce. Yeah, <laughs> that would never work. <laughs> <laughs> that is not one to try. <laughs> and but, uh, uh, hopefully you just dared someone into proving us wrong, because yeah. I'd love to see it, because the you, color in, would be fantastic. You, ironically, my friend and, and, and colleague, Reed, uh, from the, yeah. from BSOP, uh, he has, a, I think, a big leaf maple Shoheen. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a Shoheen, not a Kifu. Oh, cool. Uh, and the fun thing about big leaf maple, it's like the big, it's like the like the leaf is like the size of your face it's like 12 <laughs> inches long uh, that's great in the landscape but uh reed has uh, experimented with defoliating it i, I gave him that idea uh. and, and uh he's getting the leaves down to you know japanese maple size uh so i think i think he's working on a big leaf maple show here which would just be the most hilarious if you do that native. i would love it and then i'm gonna yeah. buy him a liquid amber and see if he can shrink that down <laughs> oh, too. Yeah, that's another tough challenge uh conif- yeah. i feel like have we have we gone through all the conifers um spruce hemlock fir uh i guess we don't really see fir cryptomeria fir would be hard yeah um, well we've got a big start on that yeah I wonder have people done the uh, eastern white cedars or the uh, western cedars? I haven't seen one. I don't see why we couldn't do those. I think those would work. I mean, the leaves yeah. are enormous, but if we do the technique, train them like you train a hinoki, where you cut back to your quarter, three eighth inch inner nodes. I wonder if you could build something out over time. Right. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah, there's such you know, there's such a wide variety. It's that's what makes it so exciting. It's it's really fun, and so you know, yeah. One one of the things that we we talked about earlier, musk maple. You oh, know, yeah. the the Premna japonica um, is something that we see used a lot in uh, 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 the Gafuten books. We almost never see uh, musk maple in, in the U.S. No, we don't. We don't see privet. We don't see the musk maple. We don't see. W- what are other classics from Gafuten that we don't see in the U.S.? We we talked about the jasmine. Uh, we we hardly ever see the jasmine. Um, 
we don't see very much Eliagnus. Oh, yeah, Forsythia. I want to see Forsythia. Yeah, I have a dwarf one. That's, Forsythia that's, would be fantastic for Shohin. Yeah, that's one of the fun Shohin that I've, I've made in-house. They're great in winter and spring, so you get two seasons out of those. Yeah, yeah, those are fun. Okay. Uh, I've really enjoyed mine. Um, Which reminds me of the winter jasmine, the other yellow-flowered species. I imagine that would be a good option for Shohin. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's... Okay, we got a few options. So yeah. what's fun about thinking about it by the trait, fruit, by the, you know, kind of type of tree, the category, the conifers, or whether by the, uh, you know, leaf character or somewhere deciduous or the flowers, it gives us more ideas for where we might find it. Because if you say beauty berry, it immediately makes me think, ah, where would be a stock plant for cuttings? Who might be growing it? Since that's a fairly common one. You know, Takshimazu is growing a lot of beautyberry in Southern California, for instance. Yeah. And I know various people have grown them at, uh, back east as well. So, Yeah, you know, a really, really nice resource for Shoheen that, that's given me a lot of inspiration is the uh, the modern, uh, what's it oh, called? The Modern, the bonsai. modern bonsai Book. Uh, and it's it's one of the best Shoheen books, I think. Uh, we were talking about why is, two, well, two reasons. It has really nice variety. You see all of these species, of species that we talked about, plus really strange things things that you wouldn't associate like winter hazel which has a crazy large leaf yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or or other plants uh, but the the other fun thing about that book is that they really blow up the images so they that's the best thing yeah i think it's yeah. uh written by a uh, junsun yamamoto and that's really the highlight you get the bigger pictures i think for looking at displays and some close-ups you're not going to beat the gafu 10 books for a smattering of outstanding showing displays, the Kokofu books are just, an, again, another outstanding resource. And for slightly bigger ones, you're going to need to go to a more specialty book, and that's where that comes in, Yeah. the, uh, the modern bonsai. Right. Yeah, oh, this is fun. I, of course, this is making me want to go back to Japan. Gafuten's coming up in a mirror. I know. What I is th- this, May? So, you know, we're only just over half a year away from the next big show. I think, I think show. we're going. <laughs> yeah, I might have to start uh, shopping at the ANA website. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we don't just need trees, but like you said, we need stands. Just, you know, the variety of box stands is really fun. You have your classic box stand, which fits five trees, but then you have those ones that are smaller that fit, what, three trees? Yeah, and so there's a lot of different formats of stands. You can, f- there are stands for yeah, one, two, three, four, or five trees, and so it, there's a lot of ways to sh- bring shohin or kifu trees to an exhibit without having to go whole hog. Yeah, and then, of course, there's the other convention where, when you have a box stand that hits fits five trees, one option is to set the pot directly on the box stand, or you can put every pot on a little mini stand. And one reason they do that is. Some people, I think, just like the complexity of it. But the other is it allows you to vary the heights of the trees. Somewhere. Yeah, and that's nice. So and the, so if your balance is wrong, you can do that. Though, I will say typically if you do one, you want to do them all because it looks wonky if you have some on stands and others not. Yeah, yeah. So the stand stands, the stands. And then that leaves us at pots, which we don't need to go into because we could gush about pots oh all my night. Gosh. Whether you're looking at antiques, whether you're looking at the painted pots and... People yeah. go deep into collecting the or painted the, pots. The, the, one of the biggest shohin potters, Tofukuji, which oh, is, goodness, oh my gosh, yeah. talk about things that are hard to find. And <laughs> yeah, hard to find yeah. and budget-breaking. Yeah. But we have, fortunately, tons of contemporary potters that love working small, so you can fit more in the kiln. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Hagedorn, who we visited today, produced some of my favorite you know, North American shohin pots. adorable little pots. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Vicky's doing quite a few nice ones too. We saw one. Uh, I forget what tree it was in, but uh, 
or, or where it was, but we saw a very nice small. Uh, that's right. Pocket. That's what. Yeah, that's um, what it was. It was the uh, probably the Trident Maple we were looking at, or the House oh, of Dennis's. Yeah, I remember yeah. the VC on there. That's yeah. right. And so, this is all just as Andrew and I wanted to talk about Shohin because we thought if we're going to be talking about Shohin anyway, we might as well record ourselves talking about Shohin because yeah. we want to um, share our burgeoning enthusiasm on the topic. Yeah, we're we're figuring it out together. You know, there's not clear. You know, crystal clear ways on on how we build a collection. There's no big head start here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's going to be a fun adventure to go on. You know, because there's things are so specific, it makes the hunt you know that much more challenging. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that just makes it fun. So, if any of you have suggestions or starting points, feel free to reach out to either of us on whatever platform where you can find either Rakuyo or Bonsai tonight, and uh, let us know if you have. Hey, I know where I can find these, or hey, I found one of these, and. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be mentioning the topic going forward. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fun thing to share together. Any last thoughts on Shohin for the night? Oh man, go smaller, go home. Go smaller, go home. We got to do better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we're kind of going big on the little trees right now. Andrew's got me a beat like crazy with his entire Shohin bench right now. So yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm I'm opting for. I guess my first goal is a Shohin plank. And then we can try to fill up a whole table and then eventually a whole bench. Yeah. But I got to start with a plank. Although I will say the best shoheen in the garden right now is your your black pine that you've grown for, what, 28 years? Yes, that one's 28 <laughs> years young right now. Yeah, so that's it's fun to have that one as a very temporary visitor for the weekend. It looks good, and the hilarious thing is it's sitting under it's, probably a nearly four-foot-tall loblolly pine yeah. that just makes it look like an afterthought or possibly a milkweed. <laughs> Yeah. I think the milk. I think there's a milkweed in the garden that's bigger than the pine. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so. All right. Thanks for talking to show here tonight. Yeah, we'll chat soon. Bye. The music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue. Da-da-da!